Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Um, I love to talk to creative people. And today my guest is uh, an actor and writer, D-Lo. Uh, his show is called To Tea or Not to Tea. It's at the Davidson Valenti Theater at the LA LGBT Center. I saw it. It's great. I actually interviewed D-Lo a few years ago, right when I started this podcast, I think, about his previous show, Defunct. And this one is uh, great. It's much more personal. It uh, tells his story involving his parents. Anyway, it's great. You'll hear us all get into it. Uh, before we get to that, I want to encourage you to go to DennisAnyone.net. Um, I just did a little uh, refurbishing to my website. Um, you can see pictures that go with some of the podcasts. You can see other things that I've worked on, short films, things like that. Um, so I would encourage you to do that. You could donate to my virtual tip jar if you want to help me cover the costs of doing the podcast. I always appreciate that. Um, I guess that's enough plugs. Here, without any further ado, is D-Lo. Hey there, I'm coming to you from a classroom at the LA Gay and Lesbian Center's Village, and I'm here with D-Lo, our guest today. You're a returning champion. You've done the podcast before. I know. I'm so happy to see you. Guys. I know. So the last time I interviewed you, I think it was around 2014, your show was Defunct, mm -hmm. and now you're back with a new one-man show, To Tea or Not to Tea. I saw it right around opening night. Mm -hmm. It's really great. Thank you so much. What an odyssey. I what know. your family story, all of that, your per, yeah, all of it. Yeah. So congrats. Thank you so much. How's it been going? It's, it's been, been going so great. I mean, the center's always been so spectacular in their support, and we've been getting good crowds. We're sold out this weekend. We were that's sold fantastic. Out last weekend, except for Sunday. Nice. And then um, John just talked to me on the steps about adding another show. So. That's good. Uh, that's what you yeah. want them to come and when the producer's walking towards you with yeah. a question, that's, <laughs> that's the one you want, right? Yeah, totally. We need more shows. Totally. That's so good. Totally. So um, I've seen the show, so I know what the title means, but explain to the listeners uh, what to tea or not to tea means. Yeah. Uh, to tea or not to tea is basically, um, you know, uh, one trans masculine person of color's journey with testosterone, that person being me. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, it wasn't so cut and dry, like, I'm trans and I want to take testosterone, like, right off the bat. Right, it wasn't a no-brainer. It no, wasn't, like, an it, automatic. It, I, I always knew that I was a boy when I was little, but so much had changed, like, with, with my politics and my and being a feminist and being in queer social justice circles and all of that. And I just didn't feel like it was... Um, it was like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I want because so much had been built... So much of my understanding of self had been built on my understanding in the world as somebody who was deeply rooted in a queer people of color politic and right. feminist politic. Right. So it was so about if, you, the, if you're that way, and then suddenly you're you're yeah. And and you know the thing is, like I always identified as gay or masculine of center or boy, like on masculine terms right but a lot of people don't realize that just and we i was using male pronouns for even longer than even trans stuff was even coming out with right with, with um you know a preferred gender pronoun being a norm and so but but i think that even though i identified as trans and you know my first step being that i got top surgery testosterone is a whole nother beast yeah and it's not just about like what tea does to you and how you suddenly start passing it's also like what 
you like nobody ever talks about what trans people um, mourn what you give up yeah what you give up and you know how you know how your happiness might be contingent about one thing but like it is such a transformation spiritually and um of course physically but i think that spiritually you just kind of have like you're not going to as your body's changing and as your composition is changing you're not going to necessarily be able to track those changes and move move on emotionally from those changes like everything kind of like where else in life are you going to go through that many changes so quickly right, right? And there's no roadmap there's no roadmap no no roadmap it's kind of like i mean i i i keep trying to think about like what would be the equivalent but like you know if you got into a really bad accident and had to figure out navigate ways around your body that were different than how you walked right. or uh, for lack of a better word moved in this world and you were hindered from doing things with ease or you were stopped completely like it would take you a long time to just sort of navigate that right. and the, you know all the emotions that come with that and all the the things that you would have to adjust to so um while i'm not likening transitioning with hormones to a car accident or some sort of fatal accident i mean, i am saying that you there are things that are happening that you have to adjust to and a lot of people don't leave space and time for that as well right what went into your preparation for the decision did you talk to other people that have been through it did you read about it like what what was your homework yeah my homework that's a great question I, you know it's very interesting right like while i pride myself in having really great community uh, i probably didn't talk about this with anybody um outside of my partner at times and even she would say like you don't you don't tell me anything you know um it, it was it was more internal and right. it was also because i think that transphobia internalized transphobia and internalized queerphobia play out in very different ways but for me in particular i was like is this wrong that i even want right you know? do i feel guilty for mm -hmm. wanting this exactly exactly so so i you know i think that there were ways in which i was writing about it and um like i i first started my artistic career writing poetry right and so i wrote a lot of poems and a lot of things from my heart and just stuck them in the drawer you know what right. i'm saying um and so i was processing art through my art but i wasn't really i feel like i gain the most insight after i've shared in a big way because then i get to hear feedback right. and that's just my process as an artist and as a person um to have that privilege to get feedback as an artist is is a whole another blessing so i while i didn't talk to people through the processing of it i did um share with them what my concerns were mhm mm um and being able to do that with other trans masculine people who are in my life was 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 there but it wasn't like they could actually say much back right um and i think now as afterwards i think that i'm probably having the most beautiful conversations around what it means to be a trans masculine person or a masculine person in this in this world right so um but but yeah like 
I envy people who gain support in support groups or right. when, when where their transness, they center their transness. And for me, it's that burden, right? Like, oh, if I'm centering my transness, then I'm taking up space or... Something I'm, else is getting less. Yeah, like, exactly. Or like, I'm, I'm being selfish. Right. Like, God forbid somebody be selfish. Right, right? exactly. Um, and it doesn't sound like something you can kind of dabble in. Like, I'm yeah. going to just try this little... Yeah. Like, you have to do it. Yeah. What yeah. surprised you about it? Um... I think that once I started, I realized I didn't want to stop. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. Once you started, you and knew you made the right I decision. I knew I made the right decision. And so, but but more more than anything, like, you know, there everything from the very superficial things like how your body changes and like balding, like for example. Right. Like I have a receding hairline and I've always shaved my head so it's not like I've Right, not been bald, you know. Yeah, welcome to the welcome right. to the male pattern baldness totally. club. But that that is you know that's something that I would put into a superficial category, and yet it is very deep. And then there's other things like um, understanding now that I do pass, and sometimes even with my two earrings and my two nose rings, people still don't clock me as queer. So it's also been like, how do I show up for queer people? in the space where other people are clocking me as a straight cis guy, you know? Yeah. Um, I I think that my relationship to the queer community has changed. These are also things that I, I mourn. But, um, but I think some of the great things are that I just feel a lot more aligned. Like, like, like here's who you're meant to be, who yeah. you're supposed to be. How do you take hormones? Are they injections? They are injections. Yeah. Um, and you do, you do them you can, yourself? You can, yes. You can. I know that some people go to the doctor every week and they get their injections. Um, but that's very seldom. And then before, when when taking testosterone was, was um, e- easier to do for trans people. It used to be easier. It used to be harder. Oh, okay. It used to be harder. Sorry. And when it started getting easier, people started experimenting. Instead of doing intramuscularly, you could do it subcutaneously. So, so that's how I do it. And what does that mean, subcutaneously? Subcutaneously is in your belly fat, much oh, okay. like somebody who is diabetic would right. administer insulin. So um, that was also kind of one of the things that, were, like, I'm so needle phobic. Right. That, that taking testosterone was, like, not on the table for that. Right, I have to do that. Yeah. And then there's some people who I know who have been on tea for so long that now they just maintain it with a patch. So there are some things like that. Um, Yeah. Were there any side effects or something you didn't anticipate? Yes. Uterine cramps. So I guess basically in a lot of transmasculine bodies or people assigned female at birth, when you start taking testosterone, your body, if it produced a lot of estrogen um when the when the testosterone's there the estrogen's like oh there's a lot more testosterone we need to like balance it out and so there's a surge or a bounce back and what that can do is it will cause intense like what would be like menstrual cramps are now like i had menstrual cramps when i had my period but the the extent of it is like it 
the pain on those cramps is something outrageous. Like I and and, and it's it's always is it every it's month? It's not. It's not always. It just depends on wh- where I am with my cycle of testosterone. Yeah. But but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is. I find that when I'm not drinking enough water and there's not really a regularity to my schedule, right. which is often <laughs> that then then it then that will be there. So I just really try and like make sure that I'm being as mindful as I can possibly be with my physical health. Right. You talked about being able to pass and also be able to pass it straight. Mm-hmm. What have you observed in those moments? We, it's almost like you're a spy now in yeah. this in this other in this world that you weren't yeah. weren't in anymore. Did you notice anything about how people talk or how men talk about? I you know what I realized it's like you got into the treehouse where there's I got know. in the treehouse and I got kicked out of another one. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like um, with men. There are men who, um, when if they know that I'm straight, they they've there's been some there's been many times that men will say some horrendous shit about women um, to me because it's a boys' club, right, right, right. But then there's locker room talk, totally. Um, and then there's this, but there's this other thing is that when men realize that I'm trans, cis men. Um, there is this kind of opening up to me that happened when I was master really center anyway, um, pre-testosterone. It, it would happen all the time, but I think that once they understand that I'm trans, then it feels like there's a little bit more softness there for them to be real with me, which is very interesting because... They don't I, have to act anymore. I don't have to act. Um, they're That's not really interesting. by my, my cisness because it's not cis. Um, then, and then I think that with women, there's some things to, um, I, I feel like sometimes just by the nature of the way I look with the same women that I've known all my life, um, there is some like not pushback, but a little bit of a shift sometimes. And then I just have to remind them very easily like in in subtle ways that i'm still the same motherfucker that, yeah you know but um but yeah like for the most part nobody's tripping um in in meaning like it with people that i know i would say that even like walking into um a- any shop or walking outside late at night whatever it's pretty much the same around women because I've always been clocked by women to be a masculine person, like a, a cis guy anyway, whether right. or not I was on testosterone. So navigating those, I'm very clear about that. I, I kind of like understand like what's, what's, what can I do to make the world more safe for somebody who's all constantly worrying about their safety. Right. Um, but it, some, some things have been interesting like with my with my family or my cousins or my relatives, uh, some of the kids wonder why their mothers allow me access to their lives in a way that they wouldn't do it with cis men. Right. Other uncles. Or yes, other... other uncles or whatever. And so so there's there's an interesting, like, kids are incredibly bright and they pick up energetically on, on something. Right. And, um, and, you know, there's been explanations sometimes as they get older but um, or even when they're younger, but it's it's interesting how some of these young 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 children interact with me. Um, they love me. I love them. That's not that's not a thing. But they're also 
they observe it and then they just kind of get with the program and they're like, oh yeah, that's this uncle is the one that can is going to be helping us dress, uh, help my own mother dress up for whatever. Do you get what I'm right. saying? Right. Like he's, he's got special yeah, privileges something, or something. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So like, but they don't really question it. They just go, oh yeah. The, yeah. yeah. I think that there might be questioning when, right. when they get older, but I have a lot of little ones that are prob- all probably under the age of eight right yeah. now. And there's a ton of them, so who knows how that will shift? But um, but it's 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 fun, it's fun with them. You mentioned your family. You play your parents mm-hmm. in this show. I find that a number of people, when they play a parent, they're so good at it, and those characters are so memorable. Like what I always think of Margaret Show with yeah. her mother. Yeah. When you play your father, yeah, I just love it so much. Yeah. Um, what's it like to play your parents and did you have to kind of work to get the voice right or was it just like, I just know how to do this? Yeah. You know, I think that when I did my mother and it was easier before testosterone, obviously, um, I sounded exactly like her, but I had to do some things that were markedly going to read as a character. And so even though I sounded like her, I didn't her mannerisms were different. Right. With my father, I don't sound like him exactly. I sound a little bit different, but all of his attitude, his way of being, it's all there. Right. right. And his, his body is there. Yeah. Um, but his, but it's, it's the opposite almost. When you started after taking testosterone, did, did it change your performing? Did things feel different in your body or? It does. It, it does. And, you know, the, the, some of the ways that, that I feel it is that when I had a more feminine voice, I could, my register was wide. Mariah Carey. Very wide. Like maybe I couldn't sing like Mariah. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I could do, I could do so much with my voice. Um, Warmed up, I could play old, young, men, women, anything. The minute I started taking testosterone, I feel like my voice was was changing for like at least two years. And then it's finally like tapered off. But even after, if I do the warm up, I almost cannot get to higher registers. And when I don't warm up, I can maybe get a little bit of height, but in very, um, they're not full. Right. You know? So it's kind of, like, that is probably, like, the the more sad thing as a performer, the stuff that I mourn. But, but um, you know, for instance, after I was warmed up and we did the show, I could not get to the female characters in spe- specificity. And so I was like, I cannot do this. This is this is hurting me. Right, physically. Physically, it's hurting me. And um, and so we're like, we have to use a mic. I didn't use a mic in Defunct. Yeah. Oh, so. Yeah. I, I didn't realize there was a difference. So yeah. uh, using the mic helps you to be able to deliver those. To, to get get Because you don't have to push as yeah. hard. Interesting. Good. Yeah. Have your parents seen the show? They have not. Yeah. They... My mother is coming this Sunday, and I'm very nervous. Um, my, f- I told her to come 
and then see it and see if it's okay for Appa to come. Right. Because he had probably a lot more shame. Even though he was okay with me, he had more shame about the world knowing right. who I was. And um, and so he never, he wouldn't come to shows after a while. And, and not even after a while. He came to one when I was really young. So I worry that for somebody who doesn't share too much about himself, this whole show is about right, <laughs> my journey lot. with him, you know? Right. But he so. comes off as a hero in a way. You just love him so much, you know? He's a fucking and hero. You have a conversation late in the play, which had me crying, where you literally asked him to, to step up for yeah. you in a way that... As kids, we never are able to talk to our parents like yeah. that, have yeah. those kind of conversations. We don't have the language for it. Yeah. We're not evolved enough. We're still... Yeah. We don't... But you had that conversation where this is what I need from you today. Yeah. I, I was said, real... you can go back to however you want to go back to. Right. It was the day of your... Um, yeah. Commitment ceremony. Commitment yeah. ceremony. And you told him, this is what I need. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was really poignant and beautiful. Thank in, you. In the, in Thank the thing. you so much. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a deep conversation because he was so nervous. And he's a nervous guy anyway. But he was so nervous and he had such shame and he had just told me like a week prior I will not call you by male pronouns like what are people going to think what are people going to say he's like I don't see you like that like all of the things right and it hurt so bad and I just left his house I was like I don't know what to do and then on the day of he like some people were coming in to say what's up to him and then he was being kind of like standoffy so the day of you still don't know what's going to happen I don't and he, I was like, Appa, like, look. And I, I said exactly those things that I said. And I know that he was trying to really understand, like, what I meant with when I said I wouldn't be alive. If, if it, it weren't for, the for pe- these people. Yeah, the people who are going to be there. I found that very moving, too. Yeah. Because it's sort of our family of friends that kind of get us through a lot of these things. Yeah, absolutely. As queer people, it's like if we don't have yeah. that our community, like, we're not whole. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, that was a very uh, a deep thing. And, you know, it's so funny because even as I was saying it to him in real life, I was like, this is this is the most vulnerable I've been with him. You know? Right, because you really laid it out. Yeah, and I, but I said it, the way that I said it in the performance is different than how I actually said it. Like, it was almost like I couldn't be emotional because I didn't know if he was going to be able to hold that. Yeah. You know? Um, you had to be like, this is business. This is business. <laughs> yeah, we're putting on a show. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, Something happens in your family when you're a teenager, and I don't know if, if you want to talk about it on the on this or if it's, um, but it, it's a it's a, I don't know how a family deals with with that. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you want to talk about it, otherwise yeah, we can yeah. skip this part no. out. Or I think that what I will say is that like every I think that we all go through like monstrous calamities in our lives. Right. right? Like that is life. Um. And then there's some that just are the shits. Like, um, I don't, like, every parent doesn't ever expect to lose their own child. Right. And yet it happens in war all over America. It happens in the lands that we bomb. You know what I'm saying? 
And there's no rhyme or reason why a child would have to die before the parents who right. gave birth to them or, or who who are just their parents, right? And yet, because my sister passed, I know that this sounds kind of weird to say, but I did have a little bit of negotiating power with with what happened because my parents did not disown me, you know? I don't know what would have happened. If she were still alive. If she were still alive, yeah. In a way, because in a way, did you feel extra pressure now? Because you absolutely all you the have pressure, to, all, all the, the pressure, pressure right? You have to be the girl but for be both the, of them, yeah. The person who's yeah doing all of those things, and I mean, they really did get dealt a rough hand. Like being completely compassionate to my own journey, I can say that they got dealt a rough hand. Um, I, I really felt like I was every decision even even the decision to take testosterone mm -hmm. was influenced by the fact that I just kept feeling like I was shaking their world up right you know? they've been through enough they've been through so fucking much like who am I you know yeah but is there also a part possibly of like you get one life mm -hmm. you should do what you need do to do to get fucking to... happy yes yeah, right and I think that, you know, it's so There's funny. so much that goes with all of it. With, with queer folks, I feel like the more free we get, the more freedom we give to other people. I agree. And I will tell you, my father is a changed man today because of that commitment ceremony. That's amazing. In what ways? How do you see it? He was so, I think, shook. Well, also, it's probably like, if I do this, what will happen? What will happen? Exactly. And, and then, then when nothing happened, and he maybe even got approval for it. Exactly. And respect for exactly. it. Exactly. And he kind of was a rock star. Exactly. That felt good. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, like, how he is now, like, it's almost like Anjali, my partner, she always jokes about it because she, sh or she shakes her head around it because she's like, all the things that we had to go through around this. And then to see Appa walking around like, oh yeah, my kid is, or, and oh yeah, and their relationship is better than most straight people's. And you know, like, right, like he just, as he if just he went was like that side. the whole time, right? right? right. And, I, and so she's like, oh. And it was only because you kind of fucking laid it out. But that's kind of funny yeah. in a way, too. So he's a pain in my ass, but. Yeah. What are you gonna there's do? something also, there's a line near the end, too, where somebody reveals something that. Yeah. Happened to your mother. That, I, uh, where there was somebody that, that, when she was pregnant, thought yeah, you were going to be a boy. Yeah, a holy man told yeah. her. A holy up, man. was like, you got a boy in there. And you did not know this anecdote. I, I actually did know it earlier. Yeah. Um, maybe 2000. I, I feel like it settled in in 2013. I didn't know for sure. There was such a weird relationship with my mother that I think she did tell me this before. Right. But I didn't clock it. You know? Right. But, um, yeah, and you're like, now? Yeah. I know. Now a warning? I was like, she said this. I think she said it in 2012 in the right. car. Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> what? Record scratch? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when she was pregnant with you, a holy man said... 
you have a boy in there. And then she's like, no, no, it's a good. And, and did he like, push no. back? He's like, he no, like, no, I'm a holy a man. <laughs> he was like, no, it's a boy. But, you know, the, see, that particular guy is a... Uh, they they roam around, right? Right. They're not like some place near the temple. They just kind of roam around. I'm sure that they ask for alms, like all of these things, right? Right. But so she was like, this guy's, you know, the crazy guy who walked right. around the yeah. Yeah. yeah, as they do to a lot of seers and prophets, right. like just like she didn't take mark it, it up, like yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a funny story. Um, since we did the last interview, there's been a lot more trans visibility in the culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, Transparent, um, which you were on, Mm -hmm. um, Pose, Caitlyn Jenner, the whole story. Mm -hmm. How has, what has that been like to observe and have you felt a change in your day-to-day life because people are a little more um, exposed to it? What's it been like to see? I feel like there's been a lot of change uh, that's palpable in the big cities for sure. Yeah. I don't feel... I just went... Came back from Medford, Oregon yesterday. Right. And... It was... It didn't feel like I could be out and proud. Where... Even me wearing a pink cap was like... And I was like, oh, like this still feels like... Gosh, that feels like the smallest little thing. A pink cap. To be somewhere where you have to think, oh gosh, wearing a pink cap. What is that? And yeah. I got you know I I had brought my pink cap and my my very rainbowy cap. Yeah. And as I'm driving, I'm putting this on, and I was like, wait a second. And I'm listening to every station because I I didn't I couldn't connect my phone with the thing and listen to every station, and they're all very deeply Christian uh, or cons- Christian conservative or conservative radio. Oh, so I'm listening yeah. to this conservative radio, and. I was just like, yeah. This like, is not I my country. To, I need yeah. to remember yeah. that this is every city a half hour to an hour outside of Los Angeles. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um... What was it like to be on Transparent? That was great. That was amazing. Um, I had a great time. I had a smaller role for... It was a one day, but it was the first time I went out there and I saw, like, all these trans folks... On the crew and everything. Uh, on the well, not a, on the crew on that one because it was the first season. Okay, but it was a lot of extras because it was the Trans Got Talent show. Oh yeah, and it was just so beautiful because all of these people that I had seen or that I had known were all like in holding, and they were like, "Yeah, like this is the first set I've ever been on," and da da da. And you know, I had been acting in little indie things for for a while, but you know. I was like, yeah. Like, it felt like you were being so, invited to a party. Yeah. It was so deep. It was so deep for them, too. Like, I mean, me for the other trans folks, because it was like, I had, a, I had this privilege of being able to share my art on stages right. nationally and internationally. Right. You don't have to wait for somebody to give you a job. Right. And I was just like, this is, this is like one of the only times that somebody like this is just even getting an opportunity. So I was very grateful. And then we did, we, I, I, there was another episode of Glee where they called in a whole bunch of like extras, trans folks. Was it, they sang in a choir, yeah. right? I remember that. Yeah. So we, I did that as well. And it was just another powerful moment where hundreds yeah. of trans folks were there, you know, to be a part of something. And then 
I feel like every set that I've been on has been very... Like, I was on Looking before Transparent. Yeah. And I spoke to Michael Lennon, and I was like, I actually identify as uh, trans. And he was like, oh, and then I saw the following episode that... Um, that guy's name on Quantum Leap? What's his name? Scott Bakula. Yeah, Scott Bakula refers to me as he. So then it was like, that was also very. So you know, you'd already done your episode. I already did my episode, but and then the following episode, he refers to me as he. And, and it, it meant just, something. To it you. meant something to me because so I was it felt like, like. Yeah. Yeah, like Michael Lennon is now making this character more like me. Yeah. And then, um, and and actually, I think it was Tanya Saracho who did who wrote that role yeah. for me, and she has Vida, right? Know, and that was you know a blessing. And then the other show that I did, which was also a bigger one, was um, Sensei trans characters, very queer. Right. And then I had a tiny, tiny role in Mr. Robot, and I went in with them knowing that I was auditioning as a trans person. Right. And I got that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was like, I think that everywhere along the road, I've been offered, a, like, just blessings. There's been stuff that I've auditioned for that hasn't been trans at all, and I didn't get it, and that's fine. And I feel like it might have not been <laughs> the best thing for me, but, but all the things that I have booked have been incredible. Have been good. Do you feel like when you go into audition that they should know? I feel like it. Yeah. Because... You know, I know what my voice sounds like. I right. know what, you know. But, um, but you know, there's been instances where I haven't. Right. And I've gotten something and it's been fine and maybe they've only realized I was trans afterwards, you know. Right. Um, but I'm kind of like, I want to, like, that's, this is, it's very important for my queerness. Like, I just want to tell everybody, I'll be like, this is who you're looking at. Right. Because not necessarily to be like, oh, this is how I stick out or whatever, like, God forbid, right? That because God forbid I say something and then I get bashed for it, right? Right. But I just want people to know when I'm safe, like, yo, this is who I am. You are meeting a trans person. Right. Yeah. Nothing nothing fell on you. Yeah, your head. no, no, no we're, <laughs> we're both still alive. Yeah. Nothing's exploded or anything exactly. like that. Um, what's your dream gig? I know you like to, you do these solo shows, yeah. you do stand up. Like what's the what's the dream I gig? I love life performance that's right if i could tour this show for example or tour something that would be like a, a goal of mine but i do also like i have this a series the scripted series in development with uh, powder keg which is paul feek's company right on yeah and and i'm and it's it was actually through samir gardezi's break the room media and he's his vision for how stories come out and all of this. He's just a brilliant motherfucker. Like, Have you gotten to work with him closely? Yes. That's amazing. He's somebody so, that I really admire. Yeah. He always wears suits. Oh, wait, that's Paul Feig. Oh, I'm yeah, talking Paul about Feig. Samir Gunn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And um, uh, I haven't worked with him. Yeah. But hopefully if the series Yeah, that's right. Moment, um, but but Samir and Break the Room is... is is how I got that connection to Paul Feig's company. And so it's it's this joint thing. And I'm really excited about it, and I feel like it has a lot of potential. Um, you know, anything that can... At this point, I can't be picky as far as, like, what would be my ideal goal? 
But I feel like everything that I'm working on is definitely in alignment with what I want for myself as an artist, right. which is being able to have a platform to share my story and my and my ideas and my thoughts and my and and the way I craft um, my art. You know, right. so between the two of between being able to act and carry a show, and between being able to tour in a larger capacity right i feel like i will be happy doing either i love it well this show would be great to go everywhere and for everyone to yeah. see it although the tech that you have I going know, on in this little theater <laughs> it's pretty intense there's yeah. projections yeah. and yeah, I know. Uh, was there a hole in the floor i don't know a lot of stuff <laughs> happened um you've obviously gone through quite an odyssey what got you through your toughest parts was it different different times different things different times or was there a certain thing that was like your bedrock I think that art, the creation or the involvement in art has always gotten me through things. Having somewhere to put it, put yeah. your feelings and your, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that later in life, therapy was a big blessing. But I think that now, presently, who I can say is like my bedrock is my partner. Yeah. Um, she is just, I think, one of the dopest people anyone will ever meet. But she just hearing about her in the show, she yeah, sounds amazing. She's dope. And and uh, and she also has the insight to kind of get in my face about some shit that I might not wanna Right. She'll call on. you on some of your BS. Um, how'd you guys meet? We met when I did defunct in workshop in New York. So how I typically do it is I'll take something to New York and let it kind of have a run. Right. Sharpen it. Maybe take it to the Bay and then bring it down to LA. She was there for the New York very first version of Defunct, which was 2010. Right. And then I got hopped on a plane, right, literally right after the show, because I was in a production in Santana. And... I opened up my email and I saw that she had written me on Facebook, on my Facebook, and not to like get at me, but apparently we had met ten years prior at a show of mine, and she was like, "Your work is still like sharp," and it was such a blessing you still got to it. See it, yeah. yeah. And and then I looked at her Facebook page and I was like, "She's beautiful," right? But also so they were through. Yeah, clicking through. through. And you know how like you could tell with how somebody posts pictures upon about themselves, like what kind of person they are. Like yeah. if it's so narcissistic or this and that. And all of her pictures were of art and her family and like things that you could tell she was very excited and passionate about. Right. And I was like, Oh, let me just see. So I just wrote her back and we just kind of talked and that was then. That was that. But was she based in New York? Mm-hmm. So she you guys, you guys live here now. Yes, we right. moved here in 2013. I was there for the first couple years All because right. I could be mobile because right. I, I was on the road anyway, right? Right. So, um, where yeah. have you done the show that you, people might not think you would have done a show like this? I I have done performances in very conservative towns. Yeah, not the theater stuff because they're. You know, for whatever reason, I did. I did Ramblations, my first solo in um, in Vermont, in a very small theater there. But like most of them were like fairly liberal. I went to Roger Williams College, which is a Republican 
I think, funded schools. Yeah. The university. Um, that was very interesting. I've done, you know, when you tour the college university circuit, you end up having to go to really small towns. Right. And because your work is what kind of shakes up the community. Right. You're, it's an event. What was it like to go to some of those places? Were, were people more open-minded than you thought they would be? or No. <clears throat> I think that it's the power of storytelling. Like, sometimes there were protests. Sometimes there were people who were like, who is this person? Like, let's check it out. And, and then I remember having to do a lot more work up top to try and get people comfortable. Because, like, sometimes you do a little bit of, like, crowd warming and right, right. all that stuff. Crowd work and warming up, sorry. And uh, it, was, it was tedious. It, it took, it took a little, it took <laughs> it a little work. It was tedious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You picked a bunch of questions from the observation okay. deck, so let's do this. What's your yeah. best random celebrity sighting? So when I was younger, I was going to my cousin's graduation at Buckley, which is a private, I think, well, maybe it's public, but um, Michael Jackson's nephews, one of them was also graduating with my cousin. Oh, my gosh. So we didn't see Michael. I saw Janet Jackson. And oh this was God. right after That's the Way the Love Goes video came yeah. out. And I had the biggest, biggest fucking crush on Janet yeah. Jackson. So just even being close to her was like... I Amazing. Like, I was buzzing. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of hers. Yeah. So, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah. What TV program would your parents not let you watch? How about this? My parents let me watch different TV programs, but we weren't allowed to watch TV, like, unless it was like, like, okay, you can watch an hour, right? My father watched the Benny Hill show. Oh, right. And I loved that show. Right. And so, I get... I'm going to this very conservative Baptist school, and apparently my teacher was asking us what our favorite shows were in kindergarten. I was three years old. Yeah. And I said, the Benny Hill Show. And I didn't know that my mother had got approached by my teacher to say, like... Did she, did she was concerned. You found out later. Wow. <laughs> I found out, like, two years ago. Yeah. That yeah. there was a conversation that had to be had. Yeah. Well, I just remember him chasing around the woman. The oh, women. God. It's yeah. such a fucking rapey show. Yeah. But, like, I thought that was, like, the best thing but, but, You know what? If you put funny music under yeah, it, it's I hilarious. Know, I know. Um, what's the craziest thing you've ever done in pursuit of a crush? Oh. I was at UCLA, and I was trying to date this girl. And she had a partner, but she was like, that partner's across the country. And I was like, oh, God. Like, I was really Jones. We had a great connection. She liked me, too, when we were hanging out. So, yes, did I, was I in pursuit of a, a, a taken woman? Yes. I think she told her anyway. But, um, but she was graduating from the law school at UCLA. And I knew that the art school was overlooking, like, the art school was right in front of the, where the graduation was. So I climbed to the roof. Oh my gosh! And, and I watched her graduate. Watched her graduate, and I was like, "Hey!" And then did she know one you were of her up there? friends was like, hey. "This was like a movie yeah. moment." One of her friends was like, "Yo!" Was like, "Was like?" One of her friends was like, <laughs> and she was like, "I just saw her with like her mouth saying, oh my god!'" And she was just. Did you hold up a sign or anything? No, just you were just there. I was just there. I couldn't. I didn't even have time to make the sign. Yeah, no, it's okay. 
If, if you do a movie, maybe you think yeah, about exactly. exactly. But did it work? Did it endure? Oh, yeah. yeah. Seal the deal in a way? I don't know if the deal was sealed prior, like in her heart, but right. like after that it was like pretty The sealed. grand gesture. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. What would you want your final meal to be? Rice and curry. Yeah. Or, or roti and curry. Like that's, that's my the jam. Basic. I could eat that. I could eat that right now. I'm so hungry. Yeah. I mean, I, love it. I could eat it even if I wasn't hungry. You just love it. Oh, I love it. So good. My mom's eggplant curry. Yeah. Some parable, which is kind of like Sri Lankan lentil. Yeah. Um, and bread or rice with that. Just even that. Yeah. Now, you were born in the States, weren't you? Have mm-hmm. you been to Sri Lanka? Yeah. What's it like when you go there? Now it's a lot easier because I passed. But yeah. before it was definitely difficult. It was like everything was just difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, if you were going to appear in an infomercial, mm-hmm. what would the product be? It would be for a sex toy called a Fieldo. Because I feel like... F- how do you spell it? F-E-E-L-D-O-E. And it's a it's like a double header. It literally looks like Does this. it exist? Yes. Or you're conceiving no, it? No, it no, exists. It, you, it, you, it exists and you're a, you're a proud... Okay. Um, I'm a proud ...booster owner. for it. Yes. Yeah. Because it looks like a gun. Because you can put this... It, no. No. Okay. <laughs> Don't say that to your readers. I know. Okay. So... You, <laughs> Dilo Scott is hand up kind of like okay. a gun, but it's, you're just talking about the top. It's like a double header. That's the top yeah. part, right? Okay. So like... It's if, like an if L. You put your, yeah, it's like an L, exactly. Yeah. And so this, the short part of the L is yeah. what you would insert into your vagina. Right. So that the long part of the L is basically what you penetrate somebody with. Nice. And so you're using your Kegel muscles to hold the thing in place. You don't need a strap. That's right. No strap necessary. Mm-hmm. So you'd do like a half hour infomercial about that. Oh yeah, yeah. I would do a three call this hour number. Infomercial. Yeah, I would even demonstrate. You demonstrate. Yeah, I love it. I hope they <laughs> listen to this. <clears throat> I hope they send you a bunch. Yeah. Are they? Che- they're not cheap. No. Good sex not. toys they're are like cheap. Under forty, hundred fifty, something like that. Yeah. And no, no batteries or anything. No batteries. Yeah. yeah. Wow. All right. I learned something today. Yeah. What was your favorite toy as a kid? And don't say a field though. Field, field <laughs> no, I liked anything with wheels or my Legos. Legos were the best. The Legos, I, to this day, I could fuck Yeah, there were a pile of Legos oh, yeah. right here oh, on the yeah. floor. I yeah, be run into them. But I used to do this thing because I wasn't allowed to play in the front yard. So every once in a while, my mother would let me play in the dirt patch in the front yard. And I would just take my bike and ride over and over and over again on this dirt patch because it sloped down. Right. So I would, like, have a moment where I would, like, try and skid out. Yeah. And I would just do that. For hours. For, literally for hours. Yeah. I love it. All right. What was on your lunchbox as a kid, and how did you feel about it? Oh, what was in my lunchbox? On it or in oh, it? Oh, I thought it was in my lunchbox. What box. was in your lunchbox? What did you, what did you take my to school? My mother made me eat these liverwurst and chicken paste sandwiches because she didn't know how to make American food. She just right. thought, oh, this is this pate you put in the bread or whatever. Right. And it was the shittiest thing ever. <laughs> right. But I didn't know I, I could have an option here. Right. You didn't know whether yeah, to Yeah, because complain. you ate what you were given. That's right. how we were raised, right? So I would throw the sandwich away. Right. And I would trade. So my father bought these chocolate bars from Costco, like a Hershey bar. Right. And I would trade. I wasn't really into sweets. So I would just trade a sandwich for what kid wouldn't want to. Yeah. I'll take the Hershey bar. Yeah. And then you would get the peanut butter yeah. sandwich or whatever. Until my cousin ratted on my ass. Oh, shit. But my auntie didn't tell me. The same one, Shami, who I was talking about in the thing. She, yeah. She's, she told she's a fabulous character, yeah. too. She ended up... Uh, 
telling her mom, but her mom didn't tell my mom until because she would just end up making the sandwich for me, like this amazing sandwich. Your auntie would. Yeah. So you got your auntie to make amazing sandwiches for you. I was like worried that she was gonna tell my mother, which she did. But you still got a good sandwich out of it. Yeah. All right. How did you learn the facts of life? My sister. She explained. Sister told me. How how much older was she? She's four years older. Four years older. And she, I was eleven when I got my period, so I was like so dumb about this shit in general. Right. And my sister told me like this. She's like, "You have three holes: your pippy hole, your cucka hole, and your baby hole." And your baby hole is where the guy puts his thing up in there, makes a baby, and the baby comes out from that hole. And that's sex. That's exactly how she told me. You know what? That's that's not bad. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot to take in. And she was like, how do you think we got here? Yeah. She's like, I'm an up ahead. It's like, I was like... Yeah, it's shocking, right? It's such a shock. You can't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was I looked at my parents all weird after that. Yeah. Still to this day I look at them weird. I know. Any memorable pranks you've played or endured? I got punked. Did you remember that show? Yeah, you got really punked got, on the show? Not punked, wait, what was it? Was it punked? It was the one with um Jamie uh Jamie Kennedy. Kennedy, yeah. And he, my cousin set me up and they were like, oh, there's this game show, you go on it, and then it's not real, but they just needed a, you get paid a little bit, like you get paid a hundred bucks. Right. And I, I was in between all sorts of shitty jobs that I was like, oh, this is fine, I'll take a break yeah. and do this. Yeah. So I'm doing it, and Jamie Kennedy's dre- like looking like Marilyn Manson, but, I, but he's supposed to be some rocker or whatever, and so I was just going along. They're like, you're not going to make any money, but it was like a pyramid thing, like one of those. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And they put me in this horrendous green shirt, and I was like, oh, what are we doing? And while, and Carmen Electra was there. Of course she was. And then my cousins were like, oh, you can totally flirt with him. He'll, he'll, he'll respond to that. So at some point she's flirting with me. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Carmen Electra's no flirting Carmen with you? Carmen Electra's flirting with my ass. But like, also it was just weird because this Marilyn Manson character was acting so doped up. Right. And then it was supposed to be like this comedy. It felt like it was purposely. And then I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" So then at the end of it, like, of course they're like, "Okay, you've been, you've been, you've been pranked or whatever the name yeah. of it is." And I was like, you know, I I was just I just was like, "Oh fuck y'all," you know, whatever. But it was my cousins who set this shit up, and so they were in the other room just like dying, like right. laughing their asses off. Right. So then we, I had to prank my my other cousin back. You got them back. I got her back by teeping her car, right, and, and using I forget what silly string and doing all. Sorts oh of shit! So she had to really deal with yeah and getting messed with. Did you end up watching the show when it was on? I did. Did it turn out okay? It turned out okay. Yeah. I mean, they make it seem like you were really trying to get some money, but right. I, but I knew that it was like you knew it was bogus. Yeah. yeah. Um, how long does your show run for? Let's uh, let's tell people Til how the they can come and see it. Twenty seventh, and maybe an extra is show going to put on some extra shows for Thursday. I love it, and you can learn about it at lalgbtcenter.org. Yeah, or my website, dlocokid, D L O C O K I D. Nice. Yeah. Did you always go by Dlo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, love my it. Mother gave me that nickname. I love it. Yeah. What's it a nickname for? I can't tell you that. 
Oh, it's top secret. It's for the next show. Thanks for the, the next, next show. show. It's for the next yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Final question. What's your favorite part of doing the show? You know, defunct, I could say, was a lot more... Like, it was joke-heavy. Right. Like, it was all my, like, really top stand-up material that was on my family. Right. And this has some jokes, of course. My work w- is not... My work is comedic theater. Right. But I'm really enjoying living in these more dramatic moments because it's a testament to the fact that even in life, you cannot enjoy your joys if you haven't gone through the fucking fire, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I'm growing as an artist and I'm not necessarily only relying on... It's that same thing of queer people. It's like, oh, again, centering myself. Right? Like, I had a problem doing that before as an artist. I wanted to make sure that they were having enough laughs. Right. So that I knew that I was doing, you know, my job, and they would be like, yeah. You wanted to make it okay for them. It was going to be fun. Exactly. Not too heavy. Exactly. Right. And then this one, I feel like it's like, it's a testament to my growth because there's a balance. Right. And people are enjoying... the, the feedback on this show is so much more real, and I'm open to receiving it, you know? So I'm I'm proud. Yeah, proud. you should be. Thank you. I really got a lot out of it. I really loved it. I got I cried. I laughed. Yeah. I, saw, I enjoyed the projections. Yes. It was all there. It was all there. So come, got, there's, there's a new thing. There's a new surprise what? element. Yeah. What? A helicopter? A helicopter like Miss Saigon? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's Yeah, exciting. come for the helicopter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 it's perfect. All right. Yeah. It's so fun to talk to you. Congrats so on the show. You. Thank you. And uh, I hope that uh, lots of people come see it before it closes. Okay. Yes. Bye. Thanks again to D'Lo. Check out his show, To Tea or Not To Tea. Okay, so this happened. I actually have two things that happened. Um, I got to go to The Price is Right and be in the audience. Um, a group, uh, I do a couple of shifts a week at Crate and Barrel just to pay for health insurance and kind of have a regular schedule a little bit. And so a group from that store went to The Price is Right. And we were 19 people and none of us got picked, uh, which was disheartening. I guess we are bad human beings. We have no charm, um, but it happens. But here's the takeaway. Ever since I was a kid, I loved that show. And I used to play the home game. I had the home game. And if the home game, if a sh- if the show came out with a pricing game that the, they didn't have in the home game, I would find a way to make my own. I always wanted to be totally up to date with the games. Um, it is so crazy loud in there that when they're screaming, come on down, you can't hear the guy saying, come on down. You have to look at a girl with the name on a cue card to know if you've been called. Um, and they have the crowd like screaming and being so excited all the time that it's very hard to focus on the games. So I could imagine being a contestant on there and they're describing your new car to you and you not being able to hear anything. And you're like, I think it, it looks like it's blue. I guess I'm going to bid on the blue car. Like it's very, (laughs) there's a lot of chaos and screaming and yelling and you can't hear things. Because the mics are hooked up to be recorded for television, but they're not being projected really into the room very much. Um, but it was still fun. It was fun to see just how the the pricing games would appear, and you know everything's kind of old school and 
The wheel's very exciting. And Drew Carey was very nice. He kind of chatted with people in between. Um, so it was cool. Um, that was a bucket list thing. Unfortunately, nobody won a boat or anything, but um, we still had fun. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, my friends Glenn and Matt, two of my best friends, took me to San Diego as a birthday gift, and we saw the musical Almost Famous, which is, I think, debuting its first production in San Diego at the Old Globe Theater. It's based on the Cameron Crowe movie. He actually wrote the book. Tom Kitt, the composer, wrote the music and did the arrangements for some of the songs from the movie that are in the musical. And it's so good, you guys. It's so good. Um, Tom Kitt's music sounds like 70s rock, those kind of chords and melodies. Um, it was sort of seamlessly mixed in with like songs like Tiny Dancer and, and the Joni Mitchell song River, which is in the movie. Um, and it was just really moving. Of course, like, I cry in musicals for no reason, and I just cried the whole time. Um, and it's wonderful. So I think it's going to have a great life uh, on Broadway and hopefully win things. The cast was wonderful. Uh, the actress that plays Penny Lane, I don't know her name, but she's a goddess. She's so good. And the kid that plays the journalist was just like this kid from Arizona that they discovered. I don't think he had a lot of credits. So it was great. And the direction, and there was cool movement, and it was, it was really good. I loved it. And um, so nice of Glenn and Matt to treat me to that day. And then before, we went to Chili's to eat. And they have this thing where if you sign up for the mailing list, you get free chips and salsa. Whenever anyone says free chips and salsa, I my ears perk up. So I did it. And they brought them out, and they're the kind of thin chips that Chevy's used to have. But Chevy's closed in my neighborhood, which was like a loss of a family member. And now I know that Chili's has those kind of chips and salsa, which is such good information. And I love their burgers. I just love Chili's. So that's good news. Anyway, it was a great it was a great getaway. First time I've been out of, out of town in a long time, and it was just what the doctor ordered. I loved it. So, thanks to Matt and Glenn, if you're listening, um, you guys were the best. I loved that day. That's all I have. So, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis. Anyone? Bye.